Hello, everyone. Welcome to On Point with Robert G. Rudolph. And today, Robert is going to be talking with us about the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. How are you doing, Rudolph? I am doing fine. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here with another segment of On Point. And today, you're going to have us on point with the Word of God, talking about the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. I'm excited about this topic. Very much so excited about this topic. And thank you for the opportunity to be able to uh, talk to all of concerning uh, the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. All right. First and foremost, what I'd like to do is I know in Christendom, we always say this familiar passage of, of scripture and everybody ought to be familiar. But where this broadcast is going, I don't want to make that assumption. First and foremost, Bishop, what is well, let me change that. Who is the Holy Ghost? Well, the Holy Ghost is a part of the Trinity. Uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And there is a scripture that I want to allude to, if I can do it at this time, uh, which gives some um, some background on basically what I'd like to go into on today. Uh, go right Acts, ahead. Well, Acts, the second chapter, verses one through four, I would like to use as a background scripture uh, for this particular segment. And it reads, the Acts of the Apostles, second chapter, verses one through four, it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And because I am, um, my background, of course, is uh, Pentecostal, Pentecostal holiness background, being an active member of the Church of God in Christ. Um, one of the things that I find in the affirmation of faith, in addition to the scripture, is that uh, in our affirmation of faith, it says we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 2 and 4, is given to believers who ask for it. And we believe in the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, who's indwelling. The Christian is enabled to live a holy and separated life in the present world. I think that this is an awesome background for what I'd like to begin discussing on today, the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so what is Pentecost? Okay, so what is Pentecost Sunday? Well, Pentecost Sunday is uh, May the 23rd, and it is the day uh, that is celebrated in the scripture as the day uh, that the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the uh, beginning of of the Holy Spirit not only came upon them, but the Holy Ghost came within them. Because in the New, excuse me, in the Old Testament, we will find out that when the Lord or when God wanted mighty men of valor to do great things or individuals to do great things, the Holy Ghost was given to them to come upon them. Notice what I'm saying. It came upon them. But in the New Testament on, not only were we under the special dispensation of grace, but we were also 
um, the have the ability from that time uh, to have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. And there is a huge difference between the two. When the Spirit moves upon you, you might feel the Spirit or you might feel the presence, God's presence. Uh, but when the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit comes within you, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit as it, as it, as it is taught in many Pentecostal settings, uh, that you are blessed with a total different demeanor and a total different way of living a fulfilled spiritual life. Uh, so those those two are, are some good backgrounds as it relates to uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and I, I just want to start with that uh, in, in dealing with some of the things that I think it is so important and what the Holy Spirit actually does when it comes in a person. I, I would like to discuss that uh, with with all of the listeners on today. Okay, go go right ahead. And, and while doing so, when you talk about the dynamics of the Holy Spirit, are you making references to the characteristics um, of the Holy Spirit? What it what what He does when you utilize the term dynamics? Yes, sir. When I use that term, uh, when I talk about the dynamics of the Holy uh, Spirit or the dynamics of the Holy Ghost, um, I am specifically talking about the characteristics of the Holy Ghost. For instance, uh, if you look at John, the gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter and the 18th verse, this, in this particular uh, connotation, where it says, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin. So one of my, th one of my first characteristics that I see that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. It convicts us of sin. The Holy Ghost convicts. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. The Holy Ghost convicts of sin and wrongdoing. And that's important for us to understand. There are people who say that they have the Holy Ghost or they are spirit-filled, but they fail to respond to the proof of God. Uh, and they continue to practice sinful ways. They continue doing things that they should not do as a born-again believer. And unless they repent from those things, they are doomed uh, to an eternal death, according to the Scripture. Uh, when the Holy Ghost reproves us for our wrong words, our wrong thoughts, our deeds are, that are wrong, our actions that are wrong, we must ask the Holy Ghost, or excuse me, we must ask God for his forgiveness and cleansing. That is extremely important. And the Holy Ghost will convict us of sin. It will convict us of sin. The second thing that I want to bring to your attention on today is that not only does it convict us according to John 16 and 8, but if you look at Acts 2 and 38, you'll find out that the Holy Ghost also converts. Not only does he convict, but the Holy Ghost also converts. If you look at Acts 2 and 38, it tells us, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The Holy Ghost converts us. It changes our way of thinking. It changes our mindset. It changes how we go from one dimension to another in the spirit realm. 
repentance and faith bring about the forgiveness of sins. That's extremely for us, uh, important for us to understand and to deal with in this world today. Uh, the Holy Ghost, it bears witness through the spirit of one who has become a member of the family of God. That is so vital uh, in the study of the Holy Ghost. That is so vital in understanding that not only does the Holy Ghost convict us, but the Holy Ghost converts us. Now, this thing called conversion is extremely important. Notice this. Conversion brings a new life in Christ. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse, verse tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. It is important for us to understand that conversion, it brings about a new life in Jesus Christ. It gives you a new hope. It gives you a new faith. It even gives you a new love because, according to the record, old things are passed away and all things are become new. I, I used to wonder what the older members of the church would say uh, when they talked about their conversion, uh, they talked about the fact that the old places that I used to go, I don't go there anymore. The old things that I used to do, I don't do those things anymore. In other words, they were saying they had no need for doing those things because they had a new mindset now. They had a new uh, lease on life, and they understood uh, that when you come into the realization of Jesus Christ and you accept him as your personal savior, they begin to understand and realize that they were all brand new. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not that you don't you have forgotten how to do what you used to do before you came to the Lord as it relates to sin. But you have no desire to do those things anymore because the Holy Ghost is now on the inside of you. And by you being spirit filled, it converted you. So, yes, uh, the Holy Spirit, it convicts you. The Holy Spirit, it converts you. But also, uh, according to Acts 15 and 9, the Holy Spirit cleanses you. Notice what it says in that scripture that I just quoted, uh, Acts 15 and 9. It tells us purifying their hearts by faith, purifying their hearts by faith. So not only will it convict you of sin, not only will it convert you and make you turn around from what you're doing and going to an, in another direction, but it also cleanses you. When you make a total commitment to Christ, it cleanses you. You are willing to give up certain things. You are willing to give up habits certain habits that aren't correct, that are not uh, good, that are sinful. You are willing to give those things up to follow after Jesus Christ. And you must also understand that when you surrender everything uh, to Christ, and I do mean everything, your thoughts, your mindset, uh, your way of doing certain things, when you surrender everything to Jesus Christ, then you're willing to yield to him. Uh, the Holy Spirit is is will then come in and cleanse and fill us with his love. That is so important uh, in the discussion today. So, yes, it, it the Holy Ghost, it convicts you of sin. Uh, 
Yes, the Holy Ghost, it converts you uh, from sin because you repent and you are baptized uh, for the remission of sins. And then the Holy Ghost cleanses you from all unrighteousness. I want my heart to be pure. I, I don't want to be saint stained with sin anymore. I, I want to do what is right and what is correct in the eyesight of God. And in order for me to do that, living in this world, I have to have uh, the Holy Ghost, which will convict me, which will convert me, and which will cleanse me uh, from the things that I need to be cleansed from in this present world. And so that means that I truly can live a saved and dedicated life and a holy life uh, to my Lord Jesus Christ if I have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm just excited about the dynamics and the characteristics of the Holy Ghost and what it does when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So with that being said, convicts, converts, cleanses. Do we still have free will, that concept of choice to, to obey the Holy Spirit? Um, and if so, help us to understand when it talks about, I do believe over in Ephesians chapter four and verse 30, when it talks about grieving, not the Holy Spirit and is really dealing with the walk of the believer. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, what I like about God is that he created us in his own image. He created us in his own likeness, which is so wonderful. I'm glad that he did that. But something that God did not do is you are not made. And, and hear me correctly uh, what I'm saying. You are not made to do certain things. Yes, there is a free will because we all know, all of us who have been on this path to righteousness, we have had free will in our life and we have said to ourselves, well, uh, this is what I want to do. Notice I said, this is what I want to do, not what the spirit is leading me to do or not what I should be doing, but this is what I would like to do. So because of that, I made a right turn when I should have made a left turn. And guess what? Because I had the free will of doing it, I suffered. And I, and I know all of our listeners today, I'm quite certain that you have suffered at one time or another because you've gone in the opposite of direction of what the spirit led you into. Or let, let me make it even plainer. Uh, your parents told you when you were growing up, you shouldn't be involved in certain activities, or I don't think it's wise for you to go in this direction. And you went into the direction anyway, because, you know, you thought that you were smarter than your parents, or you thought that uh, you knew what was going on, but they had those experiences and they knew that you were not going to be in a good situation if you took a right instead of taking a left, but you took that left. Well, uh, because you took that vital wrong turn, it created a situation where you went off track. And and all of us, I believe all of us um, walk into God's will. But when we go off track, it takes a while for us to come back around to where we need to go. And that's why it's so important to have the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit 
with you if you seek for wisdom, if you seek uh, to be led. The Holy Ghost will help you uh, to move in the correct direction. And and I just think it's just wonderful uh, that we're able to look and study uh, the dynamics of the Holy Ghost during this uh, time where we celebrate or we will be celebrating Pentecost Sunday uh, and, and leading up to Pentecost Sunday. Uh, it's extremely important f- for us to understand the, in, the the true dynamic of what the Holy Ghost does for us. It leads us and guides us into all truth. And that is is vital. That is critical to our life as a Christian. Leads and guides us, convicts us, converts us, cleanses us. Where we still have free choice and we're not supposed to grieve the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is residing on the inside of a Christian, they're supposed to exemplify a certain life. Help us to understand over in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, when it speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. Wow. That is a powerful verse of scripture, Galatians 5 and 22. You know, it's so interesting how we take for granted what we're supposed to have in Jesus Christ. And by by me saying that, I I mean uh, that when the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, temperance against such there is no law that tells me that if i say that i am a believer if i say that i am sanctified and set apart for the master's use if i say that i'm filled with the spirit of god that means that there should be some characteristics based upon the spirit that i say that i have been born again with Ah, what what do you mean? Well, brother, brother Rudolph, I, I, I mean this. Um, um, it, for instance, because um, I my last name is Rudolph. Uh, because of that, there are some characteristics that I have from my father. My mother's maiden name uh, was Scott, and so there are some characteristics I have from her because of her uh, background and because of DNA. Well, when Rudolph and Scott come together, it creates a person that is a combination of both my mother and my father. Well, the same thing with the Holy Ghost. And that is when the when the creation of what God has given to us, if the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are become new. Then it means that not only should I be saved and and dedicated to the Lord. Not only should I be set apart or sanctified to God's use, but it also means that I should exhibit some of the fruit of the Spirit, which is so powerful. The the fruit of the Spirit, love. I ought to show some love for my fellow brother. That means that in my being critical of, of my fellow brother, it also means uh, that I ought to show not only tough love, but then there are sometimes I need to show compassion because people have gone through certain things and you have to have compassion for them because you do not know. You have no idea what a person has gone through. You have no idea what an individual has dealt with in their life. And so because of that, you have to have compassion and I have to show love 
And and then there are some times when I see Christians who are always down in the dumps. I mean, haven't you seen any anyone like that where they're they're always down in the dumps? There's yes, always indeed. <laughs> wrong. Always. Well, if you uh if one of the characteristics uh is joy, then I ought to have a pleasant demeanor, at least some of the time, right? Because True. I, I'm not supposed to be down. I'm not supposed to be out. I'm not so always supposed to be depressed. I ought to have some joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I ought to have some joy and peace. My God, uh, at some point in time, you ought to be able uh, to say that I'm peaceful and that everything is all right. And for those people who always say, I can't stand this. I'm tired of that. I'm sick of this. Well, where is your long suffering? Uh, the Spirit of God makes you uh, to have long suffering and to have patience with other people, being gentle, being good, and having faith, uh, being meek and humble, and and being temperate of certain things. That is vital and critical uh, to us being Christians in today's world. So, so that's where it relates. Where where Galatians five and twenty two relates to us being brand new in Jesus Christ and. Uh, displaying the characteristics or displaying the fruit of the spirit. Thank you so very much, Rudolph, talking to us today about the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. We've been able to understand and realize that it convict, he convicts us of sin, converts us, cleanses us. We're not to grieve him, but also offers us the fruit of the spirit found in Galatians 5 and 22. I know this is part one of a two part series, and I know today, uh, Rudolph wanted to share with us three things. Is there anything else you'd like to speak to us today about on, in, on this edition of On Point about the dynamics of the Holy Ghost? Well, it is just wonderful to live a uh, dedicated life to the Lord. And it is wonderful to have his spirit indwelling um, in and it is so unique for if you want to have a full spirit-filled life. In other words, I don't want to just come to church just to listen to the music, just to hear a sermon, uh, just to be in a peaceful place. But when I come to the Lord's house, I want to feel his spirit. As a matter of fact, I don't have to be in God's house in order to feel his spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit being within me, I bring it with me. And so wherever I am, whether I'm in my bathroom, in my home, in my office, uh, going down the highway, I have the spirit of God on the inside of me and I can commune with his spirit. And it's very powerful to be in the presence of God, in thy presence, in thy presence. Let me linger. Let me stay in thy presence day by day till thy likeness be seen in me. That's a song that I love. And it's so powerful to understand that if you are in God's presence and if God's presence dwells on the inside of you, you should feel some type of way about his spirit and his anointing. I'm just excited about uh, being on point today and talking about the dynamics, a portion of uh, the dynamics 
of the Holy Ghost. And if you want to live a truly spirit-filled life, if you want everything that God has for you, then you need to desire and seek after the Holy Ghost in fulfillment, the fulfillment uh, of the Holy Ghost on the inside uh, for your spiritual life. It's it's a wonderful thing to have. And I, and I thank God that not only am I committed to him, but I have a keeping power, a staying power. And that to me is extremely important. Uh, the dynamics of the Holy Ghost, his, his, uh, his power to convict me of wrongdoing, his power to convert me of wrongdoing, and his power to cleanse me of wrongdoing. These are the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. And I thank God for not only being saved, but being filled with God's presence and having the Holy Ghost on the inside of me, not just having it come on me, but having it within me. It, 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 there's just a total difference of walking and moving and experiencing what God wants you to experience. And, and you, you don't have to be a part of a Pentecostal holiness church in order to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be a part of uh, the so-called sanctified church in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The dynamics of the Holy Ghost goes to any and all people who believe that God has saved them and has, has done these things for them. It is so wonderful for them and for you to experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It, it is not about a religion. It is not about a denomination, but it's about the lifestyle that you choose to live. And I choose to live holy. I choose to live and do the right things according to the scripture. I'm, I'm just excited about talking about the Holy Ghost. And I can hear it in your voice. I thank, thank the Lord for uh, Robert today um, with On Point. Uh, we're talking about the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. This is part one. And now we're going to open up the floor um, for just a couple of questions um, before we close out today's segment. Uh, Brother Blake, you have a question for Rudolph today. Of course I do. <laughs> um, but uh, can you expand upon the process more? Or can, you, can you hear me? Can start key? Oh yes, I I hear I hear you well. The okay, process the process of sanctification because when you're talking about you know the Holy Spirit and a lot of people um, hear of that transformation, they think that it's an instant transformation all the time, and that they won't have to deal with certain things that they used to because they feel like they have this new power. When in reality, God is showing them how to respond differently. But we know that lifestyle, like you were just saying, takes time to adjust and to um, basically start to live? Well, let me explain it this way. Um, depending upon when you are saved or when you ask God to forgive you of your sins, uh, let's just say, for instance, if someone uh, was saved at a, at a certain age, if there, there are some people who commit their lives to the Lord at a young age. And then there are some people who come uh, later in life and say, Lord, I need you to forgive me of my sins. I'm, I'm tired of the life that I'm living and I need you to forgive me of my wrongdoing. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Whether you uh, did this, made this conversion at a young age or whether you made this conversion at an older age. But what you must understand that the experiences that you have had over the years, um, once a person is saved, 
Um, and this goes into a little bit of what we're going to talk about next time in, in part two segment. Uh, the, the older saints used to talk about a keeping power. They talked about if you want to be kept, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, I didn't understand that for a long period of time in my saved life because I, I gave my life to the Lord as a, as a child. But what I didn't understand, what they meant, um, they were telling me that as you grow older and as you get into life, there are experiences that you will have and certain things um, that you will begin to deal with. And so because of that, you have got to be patient with the process because this is a process. Once a person is saved, once they have asked God to forgive them of their sins, it is a process for them to get on the road to righteousness. And the Holy Ghost and the dwelling of the Holy Ghost uh, will help that person uh, not only to cleanse them and to convert them uh, and, and also to convict them, but that will help them so that they won't do those things that are not pleasing in the sight of God. And so it's a process. And so when people come to the altar, a lot of times we tell folks uh, that you come here, you ask God to forgive you, he'll forgive you and everything will be all right. Well, that wasn't my experience. My experience was that the moment I gave my life to God, it seems like the enemy really was the enemy. It seems like everything that I tried to turn and everywhere I tried to go, the enemy was always on my back, uh, making me, he was somewhat of a, uh, as Paul mentioned, that thorn in the flesh. It, it seems like the moment I gave my life to the Lord and the moment I started doing what I felt was right, uh, it seems like I always had problems and I always had situations to deal with. Uh, in, in my Christian life. And I thought, I said to myself, Lord, I thought that if I came to you, everything would be fine. Well, you, you got to understand that the enemy does not like, he absolutely does not want you to be victorious. And by you giving your life to Jesus Christ and accepting him as your personal savior, you have to take the next, next step of being filled uh, with the Holy Ghost, which will help you and lead you and guide you into all truth. So it is a process. It is definitely a process. But the, the scripture that says, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. In 2 Corinthians uh, 5 and 17, where it talks about that. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, again, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That is the beginning of that process. And then you have no want or desire to do those things because you want to be pleasing to God. So that process helps you. And for some people, that process might be automatic. Uh, for some individuals, it might be a longer uh, detailed process. Uh, for some people, uh, because God has a greater anointing upon their life and a, and a greater manifestation of the spirit in them, uh, they might have to go through things uh, in, in a more difficult fashion. But the point I'm trying to make is that it is a process and everyone's road to righteousness is totally different. Thank you. That was very, very, um, <laughs> well, thank you for just asking the question.
All right. Uh, we have another question. Uh, Ulysses, go ahead with your question. Yes, um, and it's good to see um, uh, Bishop uh, Rudolph, good friend. Um, um, mine um, is is not so much of a question, but it's more of a, an elaboration on what Bishop uh, Rudolph just spoke about and the question about the process of sanctification. Um, I was kind of taught simplistically what that process it's like um, a dirty, dirty dishes and cleaning dirty dishes, right? Um, right? It's a process to clean a dirty dish. So what happens is salvation is just putting the dish in soapy water. It, it's not clean yet. If you just stick it in soapy water, you pull it out. It still has food left on it, right? So then what it is, is you put it in soapy water, but then now you have the word, which is the scrub brush. And throughout that whole process, you have the Holy Spirit, which is the water. So as you're scrubbing, and then you're putting it under the water, you're continually, the word is continually scrubbing off all of the residue and things that you have. And then at some point, once it's clean, you still have to put it, you know, the old school, they had the the dish racks where you put it in the dish racks and you still have to allow it to air dry. Sanctification is a process, but it's that process of continuing being scrubbed and washed and cleansed by the word. And the Holy Spirit is essential because that is what ultimately removes the residue off of you and off of your life. And so, you know, that's the way um, I was kind of taught from a simplistic way in order to explain the process of sanctification. And then once a, a dish is clean, then it could be used. But the importance of it is that, and that's, I think that's the importance in, of the Holy Spirit and making sure sanctification is so critical because we oftentimes launch people into ministry and they're not clean. So what happens is now they're serving dirty food because now they're out serving and ministering to other people. But if they have residue, they cannot provide clean meals to other people. So now what you have is now you are um, basically you have a uh, if you put it into that context, <laughs> you have an entire restaurant or entire church that's being fed dirty food. If the if the leader itself themselves are not sanctified, that is a powerful a powerful analogy. I like that. Thank you, Bishop Henderson. I I really like that, and I am going to use that because that's a vivid example of exactly what we're talking about. It really is. Does anyone else have any other questions uh, for Rudolph today on this segment of On Point, dealing with the dynamics of the Holy Ghost? All right. Well, if no one has any uh, other questions today, Bishop, I'm going to give you uh, the, the, the last word before we close out today. Anything? Well, I am just thankful to talk about the, the dynamics of the Holy Ghost on today. I am thankful that after the resurrection and the celebration of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead, uh, that in the local congregation that I serve or local congregations that I serve, uh, we begin to talk about the significance of the life as a Pentecostal, as a Pentecostal believer uh, and, and spiritual things. And we talk about spiritual warfare. And so this is going to be a part of what we are teaching and preaching over the next few weeks as it leads up to Pentecost Sunday, I believe on May the 23rd, uh, the fourth Sunday in the month of May. And, and for every believer, whether you are 
whether you are in a denomination that is uh, Pentecostal uh, or have a Pentecostal affiliation, um, you have to understand that if you are a born again believer, regardless of what where you worship uh, in a Bible believing church, that this is a part of what the Bible talks about. And, and I'm just excited to be able to share it with those who have gathered uh, with us on a week-to-week basis as we talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we're going to discuss not only on today, but hopefully on next week, uh, the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that is just uh, vital to our work and our walk uh, as a sanctified believer. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so very much for this discussion today. You've been listening to On Point with Robert G. Rudolph, where he keeps us on point with various issues and topics in every area of our life. Be good and be blessed.